The following podcast contains strong language and mature themes. Hello listeners, welcome to the second episode. If you haven't listened to the first episode, we highly recommend you go back and listen to it first. Otherwise, this might seem a bit confusing. Still with us? Then join us in episode two of our podcast series, The Body in the Woods. We got the series off to a start last week. We found out about the body of Kenny Goldsmith, which was discovered in Meadowend Forest back in 1984. The forest no longer exists, as it's now under the foundations of the new town of Wooten on the Cam. We found out that there's little information about Kenny and what happened. We want to investigate further and find out what really happened. This week, we wanted to find out more about the dog walker who discovered the body and about the author of the book, retired policeman Robert Jennings. That was our plan. Join us on our journey as we try to find out more. We start at the beginning of the week here in the studio, where we find a gift has been left. We've just uploaded the first episode and have spent the morning posting on social media to try and get the word out to our audience. What are the figures like? We have several listeners already, but on a different note, we're going to start with something else. We are? That's not on my running order sheets. Maria's really taking this seriously. She's written running orders for the whole show. Hey, give it back. <laughs> okay, okay. I have something for you. Oh? Remember, you need to describe what's happening. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, of course. Uh, Gemma's handed me a shiny, silvery box tied with a ribbon. The label says it's from my dad. Okay, what's going on? I'm tearing away the wrapping and... And it's a box? Oh, wow! Oh, it's a digital recorder, my own digital recorder. That's so cool. Thanks, Dad, if you're listening. I hope you are, or you're in trouble. (laughs) He spoke to me and said he was really proud of what you've done after everything you've been through. He wanted to know what he could get you to mark the completion of the first episode. I suggested that you might want your own recorder, just in case we ended up going after separate stories. That really means a lot. Thank you, both of you. You're welcome. (laughs) Surely that means double the workload for you? It does, but this recorder is linked to your mobile phone, so it will automatically upload audio files to our cloud storage. That means that I can edit it as soon as it comes in. That'll be very useful. Saves me worrying about remembering to do it. You can't cry. That's not on the running order. (laughs) We have our own local cafe in town, the Chestnut Cafe, where we go when we want to interact with society or need a break from home. We seem to have our best ideas there, and they do do a very nice selection of teas from around the world. so wet today. The cold really goes through you. I think we need hot tea to warm us up. And just for the listeners, this is a wonderful cafe. Large glass window with neck curtains straight midway and small pine tables with tablecloths covered in horse images. Horses does seem to be a theme running through the decor in here. 
and they always have a selection of homemade cakes and on the wall is a map of the world with tea bags pinned to the country they came from with some details about them. Very red string brigade. Hello, I'm Sarah. Can I take your order today? Hi. Uh, can we have two Earl Grey teas and two slices of chocolate cake, please? Certainly. I'll get that for you now. So we need to contact Robert through his publisher. What does it say on the book? Well, it says... Ah, here we go. Everson Press. Here you go, ladies. Here's your cutlery. Is there anything else I can get you? Thank you. No, that's fine. Well, just let me know if you need anything else. Everston Press. Okay, got it. Well, I'm calling number on the website. It's ringing. That's always a good start. Hello, my name's Marie. I was hoping to get in contact with an author you publish. The book was published a while ago, so there's no social media presence as far as I can tell. Robert Jennings, a retired policeman, he wrote Unsolved Deaths from East Anglia. Okay, I'll hold. They haven't said no yet. Hello. Oh, that'd be great, thank you. Yeah, my name's Marie Colson and my number is 07. Now, with GDPR, it can be difficult to get in touch with people through businesses, which is understandable. It offers a level of protection. But the publishers were happy to pass on our details to Robert Jennings, and we would have to wait and see if he got back to us. And we should also say we will let people know if we're recording the phone calls, because it's illegal to do that without consent if we're going to use the recordings publicly. This chocolate cake is so good. You should try yours. It's ringing. It's, it is. It's ringing. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, hello, this is Marie Colson. Hello, Mr Jennings. Thank you for getting back to us. Yeah, I'm here with my colleague, Gemma. Can I put you on speaker? Okay, thank you. Hi, Mr. Jennings. Uh, this is Gemma Kingsley. I work with Marie. We run a podcast, and as a result of reading your book about unsolved cases, we started investigating one of them. Oh, and we'd like to record this phone call as part of the podcast. I guess. I mean, I'm not really sure what a podcast is. It's like a radio show that you can listen to at any time. Um, imagine listening to, uh, I don't know, um... Alan Titchmarsh, whenever you wanted. The podcast explains exactly what we're doing and what we're trying to achieve. How about you listen to our first episode, see what you think, and then give us a call back in a bit. We'll send you the link and you can have a listen. And we're plugging a book too. That was good cake. Jennings. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you're looking into the Kenny Goldsmith death? Yes, we are. Well, there have never been any further discoveries as far as I'm aware. But this could help reopen the case. I've heard some of these crime investigations programs that they get results, certainly in the States. We 
want to do the show with the greatest respect for the family and do a serious job. If we get a result, that would be excellent. But what made you decide to help us, if you don't mind me asking? We can do tomorrow. Oh, how about two o'clock? As long as I get to listen to Jeremy Vine. Robert then gave us his address, but obviously we didn't want to broadcast that. But this was great news for us and could be a game changer for the series. It's not every day you get to meet an author, even a local one. This was quite exciting for us, and we thought that interviewing a local celebrity could possibly help get some extra fans for the show. We arrived at a cul-de-sac surrounded by bungalows, each with a well-manicured front garden and a set of white handles on either side of the front door. Obviously we don't want to say exactly where we are. Lovely gardens around here. I'll get the doorbell. Hello. Ah. Hi, Mr Jennings. It's Gemma Marie. We spoke on the phone yesterday about discussing your book. Yeah, yeah, come in, come in. Don't worry about the dog, we won't bite. Sorry about the mess. It's, it's a lovely home, Mr Jennings. Oh, thank you. Uh, let me just turn off the radio. Oh, that's better. Uh, sit, please. Uh, would you like some tea? Uh, we're good, thanks. Mr Jennings, thank you for letting us talk to you. Oh, call me Robert. Mr Jennings makes me sound old. <sighs> now... What would you like to know? We record all our conversations. That way we don't miss anything that could be useful for the podcast, which you listen to. So do you mind if we record this? Will I be in the next podcast? You certainly will. Oh, OK. Oh, well, no different to the radio interviews I did when I first released my book or the press statements I would have given the media. Exactly. Now, you wrote about the death of Kenny Goldsmith back in 1984. Yes, I did. We want to dig deeper into the case and see if there's any new evidence regarding the death. We got the idea after reading your book. And because it wasn't resolved, we wanted to have a go. We wanted to know if you had any information that didn't make the book that might be useful. You bought my book? How wonderful. I don't think many people buy it now. The royalty check gets smaller each time. If we plug the book on the podcast, you might get an increase in sales. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I could let you have copies of everything I had. I don't honestly think I'll be writing anything else. My hands aren't what they used to be. One question. We would like to be able to track down the dog walker who found the body. Is that something you would know about? Oh, well, the dog walker, sadly... He died back in uh, 2010, I think. Oh no. Nothing suspicious, I hope. No, I believe it was old age. (laughs) Nothing suspicious, I promise you. Have you brought a vehicle? There are a couple of boxes of material. Yes, yes, we have. When we tried to research for the podcast, we struggled to find any information on the internet. It's almost like it didn't happen. That's peculiar. 
I mean, it certainly did happen. I was there. I would suggest going to the local library, going through the archive newspapers. I didn't realise they had so many old papers. I thought they were all digitised. Robert, was there any other evidence found on the body? No. As far as I can remember, there was some bruising on the top of his head, which the coroner put down to a branch, possibly falling onto him, and indentation round the neck from the ligature. Death by strangulation was listed as the probable cause. You don't sound convinced. Definitely was that autoerotic asphyxiation then. Well, so the evidence suggested. I wasn't able to speculate further. I was only there on secondment. Once it was all packaged up, it was passed on to another sergeant to take over the investigation. I headed back up to Lincoln and had no further part to play in it. Is that everything? I think that's everything. Just out of interest, uh, how did you listen to the podcast? Oh, I used one of those smart hubs. My son set it up when we first went into lockdown. It allows me to listen to music and audiobooks. I really do enjoy listening to Bradley Walsh's latest album. Impressive. And thank you for talking to us. We hope you keep safe. Can we let you know if we find anything from our research? Please do. No, it'd be, it'd be lovely to know it's been solved. And before we go, can you give us some advice on what we should do next or who we should talk to? Well, I would have a talk to Scarlett Drayton. Yeah, she was the journalist who broke the story back in 84. She might have some other leads. I believe she now runs the Cambridgeshire Gazette. Oh, would you like me to sign your book before you go? We left Robert's house feeling very positive. Although we hadn't got much new information from Robert, we did find out a little about the dog walker. We now had all the documents from the cases in his book. He'd written 20 chapters about unsolved deaths in England, and we had no idea how much more info there was in the boxes. Our worry was that we could get sidetracked following other story leads, just out of curiosity and excitement. We had to be very professional and only look at this case, and wait until we'd finished that before opening up the others. We headed back to the studio to look through the new evidence. That could dictate where we went next. But we definitely need to include the library in that list. Can you clear this desk so I can put this box down? Quickly, I'm losing my grip. Clear. Oh, it's heavy. There must be loads in here. Can't wait to have a look through. We're going to have to promise to be focused with all this information. You're right. Let's all out what we have. to sort it all out. So let me describe what we now have. There are 30 folders, all about two to three centimetres thick, each full of sheets of paper, all written on, which we've laid out on the floor. Some have drawings, sketches and maps. Each folder covers a separate case. They're from all over the country. It's frightening to have this much information to hand. Most of these I've never heard of. Apart from glancing through the index and the books and reading the blurb on the back. But there's another unsolved death in this town, over at the observatory. Oh, we now have a photo of Kenny. That could be a big help. Mm, but don't give any more away. But we do have some interesting possible follow-ups. If we get through this series, we have a follow-on case. Would you like to mention the crowdfunding? I've discovered a crowdfunding website that helps people who make films, music, podcasts. 
It provides a way for patrons to support the projects. If we have so much material, we could be doing this for a long time, and funding will be a big help. I'm setting up this week, so hopefully you'll be ready for the next episode. Please help and support us, if you can. But what we want to know now is, what new material we have in the files related to this case? So far, we've come across a map of the area showing the location of the body in the surrounding land. The forest extends much further east to the adjacent farm. Seems to be mostly farmland right the way across to the villages of Great and Little Wooten. A curiosity is that the manor house in Great Wooten used to have a moat around it. Must have been impressive. A witness statement indicates that on the 17th of March, a man fitting the description of Kenny was seen at the pub at Great Wooten asking for directions. I wonder if Benny would remember that. Certainly worth asking. And I've just found the name of the dog walker, Mr. Albert Chapman of Cambridge Road. Yes, high five. That's another unknown crossed off. Anything else? The coroner's report mentions that the photos at the scene showed a rope had been tight, but was loose when forensics got there. That suggested that the body may have been disturbed after death by an animal or by weather or by something else. It also says that pieces of bark were found on the back of the victim's neck and hair, suggesting something had been behind the head. And Robert was right. There was also bruising on the top of the head. What's the significance of that? Well, I would have thought that the rope would have stayed tight even after the event if it had gone wrong. Could it have been that a branch fell, knocked him unconscious and lodged behind his neck, causing the strangling by pushing his head forward? But there was no branch identified at the scene. Something doesn't add up. Never did like coroner's reports. We've had another busy week. At this rate, I'll run out of annual leave if I'm not careful. We might have to split up over some of the investigations then. Save both of us being out. Now you have a recorder, that won't be a limitation. I don't want you to lose time making your videos either. Maybe we need a rotor. Maybe patrons will give us enough money that we won't have to work as much to support it. I hope they do. This is a worthwhile cause. <laughs> okay. That aside, what are we doing next? We know the dog walker is off the list, but we do need to look at the library and the newspaper office. Oh, and speak to Billy. Any excuse to go back to the pub? I'm making the most of it, it having been shut for most of last year. It's nice to be out again. Drink responsibly, listeners. Next week, we could do a Q&A with the listeners. If they message in, we could do a separate Q&A podcast. We could. Send in your questions. Until next week. Bye. Bye.